I'm Betches co-founder Jordana Abraham, and this episode is brought to you by Instacart. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on, while she's sneezing, coughing, aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us, trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues to tea to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Betches Media presents. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? and Get your vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Do you guys know what has me laughing this morning? What has you laughing, Amanda? (laughs) This incredible clip of a U.K. politician, I believe he is the deputy prime minister, um, just giving a whole new definition to misogyny, just deciding on a new definition. Let's give it a listen right here at the top. Let's listen. I just want to start with something that we heard the prime minister say on this program yesterday. He said, speaking to us live on breakfast yesterday, he does not support calls to make misogyny a hate crime. What's your view on that? Well, look, uh, I think we have often seen in the criminal justice system over decades people trying to legislate away what is an enforcement problem. So I think insults and misogyny is, of course, uh, absolutely wrong, whether it's uh, a man against a woman uh, or a woman against a man. Oof. Oh, boy. Woof. He doesn't know what misogyny is. Like, he actually doesn't know. He must just think it's like gender discrimination. He doesn't know. And I will add, this is a three-minute clip, and the female anchor gives him multiple opportunities to change course. (laughs) She's like, are you sure that's what you meant? And then he says yes and goes on. And then she reads the dictionary definition, and he does not like register what the issue is. Wow. Well, well, isn't that just a a microcosm of it all? I feel like that precisely not all men is about to attack me at this moment. <laughs> I was about to just say, like, that's such a such a man thing to do. And then I mean, only only a man could go. I mean, the word it's misogyny. Guy is in it. It's in there, dude. Come on. Ugh, you've got to be real privileged to go your entire life and never actually encounter or be corrected on the real definition of misogyny. Do you think he's misused it before and has nobody corrected him? I, I think he's just never had to think about it. And like this was the first time someone was like, huh, have you thought about women not being treated people in society? And he was like, oh, well, I have many thoughts on that. And by that, I mean, I suppose everyone struggles sometimes and you're like, oh, okay, that's, that's not what <laughs> the question was, but no, all right. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. I needed, I needed that chuckle. So today we're going to start once again with the debt ceiling fight. I feel like recently more than usual, this podcast feels a little like deja vu. It's like every week we're checking back in on the debt ceiling fight, the reconciliation bill, the infrastructure bill, and there is always uh, new dramas. But uh, here we are with the debt ceiling fight, which Caitlin has been forecasting for about eight weeks now, I will say. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the debt ceiling fight is basic. It feels very high school, you know, like we're just 
fighting to fight and like to avoid fighting over other things. That's true. That is what it is. I think it's just a lot of projection. (laughs) So Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, she estimated that the U.S. could run out of money to fund its obligations by around October 18th. That's very soon, but this is not even a definitive date. It could be after, but it could also be before. Like, you don't spend the same amount of money. I don't know when I'm going to run out of money. I could maybe estimate, but like, I, I would not know the exact day. Well, is there like a countdown? Like, like, is there like, does anyone I mean, know I how close we like, are? I don't, I guess people aren't monitoring our accounts as like, cause you know, it's like somebody's like, oh, I did $35 at Dwayne Reed and then, oh, my magazine subscription. Oh, so and then before you know it, you're out of money. It hasn't been reconciled is what you're saying. So like we could have already run out of money and someone just didn't account for it yet. Oh, I wasn't saying that. I don't think so. I think we would somehow, for some reason, I think it's going to be a very like obvious, but but I don't know. We've never known. (laughs) Do you got like a notification? (laughs) Janet Yellen gets like an email from the treasury. That's like your account balance is low. (laughs) Right. That's what I'm, that's what I'm wondering. Like, how do you know? I don't know, but we're going to find out. I think we'll find out when we, when it happens. How exciting. What a thrill. So Mitch McConnell has been signaling for a few weeks that Republicans were not going to help Democrats lift the debt ceiling or suspend the debt ceiling. They're two different things. Even though every single Republican agrees that letting the U.S. default on its debt would be catastrophic. Whenever they get to a mic, they say, oh, yes, that would be terrible. The the debt ceiling should not. We should not hit it. Um, But I'm not going to help Democrats get there. So this week, Republicans are more than previously really united and firm in their rejection of helping Democrats. This is when we remember Mitt Romney is obnoxious because he has stated this week that he is absolutely going to force Democrats to do this alone, uh, even though he believes the debt ceiling obviously should not be breached. Republicans want Democrats to raise the debt ceiling through reconciliation, which would force them to name a number for that ceiling rather than just suspending the debt ceiling for a certain period of time and dealing with it later. Reconciliation is also a longer, more complex process, but I guess Republicans could decide how hard to make it. Caitlin, why is that? I, I, what role Do you know what role Republicans have in reconciliation if, if they're not the party in the majority? Like, how can they put up guard? How can they slow things down? Um, I think it's because of certain, like, committee processes, but I don't want to get, like, far into that because I'm not entirely certain how Republicans could fuck things up, except that it's the Senate and you should always be aware whenever the Senate is involved, that fuckery is right. Yeah. Embedded in its culture. Right. I mean, I think they have a recess next week, so I don't know. I know Democrats are planning to work. I know they're always on vacation. I know Democrats are planning to work that recess, a.k.a. work. I don't know if they need Republicans to be around. But, yeah, I also like tried to figure out exactly what their role could be, but could not. But I guess they they know that they're in control of the speed of or have a, have a role in the speed of the reconciliation process, because Lindsey Graham of this said, I mean, I'm not going to be a complete asshole about it, but I'm going to make them take some tough votes. <laughs> I mean, too late. he is a complete asshole about just about everything, uh, number one. And number two, like, this is, it's absurd. I'm so angry about this. It's it's completely insane. It is like holding a gun to a child's head and then being like, we're not pulling the trigger, but if you don't do this, then we're going to kill the child. And you're like, what, the, what, the, what is happening here? Like, yeah. this is absurd. This is insane. The American economy is not a toy. This is going to cost us. I mean, it's and people are going to get into cost, whatever, but this is going to be a calamitous thing in the middle of all of this. And they're basically saying Democrats could have done it, but then they didn't. And I'm just here being like, 
if you guys do not get rid of the fucking filibuster to just run, ride roughshod over these people who literally said we would rather destroy the country than govern with you. I, I They're literally saying it like we literally would rather destroy everything than care oh, about yeah. you and your feelings for 10 minutes. Just fuck these people. Fuck them forever. That's me. And it's like, right. I We have known this for a long time, but it's like Mitch McConnell cannot be shamed. There is nothing like trying to pin this on him. Like, well, look at Mitch McConnell. He's going to let us default because Mitch McConnell in his head has a way to blame to, be, to blame Democrats. Is there anything more American, though, than like spending all your money and then being in total denial about it and then causing totally. like a confrontation about like how it's going to get paid? ridiculous they're, they're just on like a, a an emotional bender essentially like they don't care what actually happens because they're like they know they're ultimately not gonna let the u.s default like that's not gonna happen probably but they want to come as close as they can like do as much damage as they can without maybe like screwing over their own stock portfolios mm-hmm which is sort of what they always do because they know Democrats will not let people. Well, not in every case, Democrats, plenty of Democrats let people die, but like will prevent calamitous things from happening, whether it's like being only Democratic governors that put in COVID rules like they always let this happen. And now so another alternative is to, as Caitlin said, and the filibuster specifically to raise the debt ceiling. President Biden acknowledged this possibility yesterday. I don't really know where Manchin and Cinema are at it, but it would just be a a carve out for the filibuster for specifically for the debt ceiling. No, 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 no. Destroy. Yeah. It's time for it to burn. I'm down. Okay. I, and I mean, we've known this for a long time, but I literally do not understand. It really bothered me for a really long time. And I posted this on, on Twitter a bit ago, which is like, I wrote about how many Republicans were at the Democratic National Convention and how like against that I really was. And this entire mindset of like, these people are our friends. They are not our friends. They literally killed thousands of Americans rather than actually administer things correctly. They have prolonged the suffering, increased the deaths of thousands more that didn't need to be once we had a vaccine. They are actively killing and destroying people's lives. They 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 literally tried to overthrow like what blows my mind is like about what 30 something, 40 something Republican senators voted for the overturning of the fucking election after the insurrection, the same fucking night that these people stormed the fucking Capitol, the, the Republican legislators got up there and were like, yep, that was good. We should encourage them and overthrow this election. That, what the, look, there's no negotiating these people. Destroy them. Kneecaps, blown out, do it. It's for all <laughs> of our benefit. Do you see any? Okay, obviously that, you know, there's been no accountability for any of that. And everyone's in kind of total denial about like where we already are. It just hasn't been like formalized yet through an, you know, an actual, you know, in statement of Trump or whatever. What do you think there's like any hope? Like, do you like, I know you're saying, oh, we have to be like so tough, but like, do you see that happening? No. I mean, look at these people. They're about to destroy the American economy. That's the one thing we all thought they would never let happen. Like 
Yeah, okay, they'll do they'll kill people, they'll destroy voting, they'll do elections, but they wouldn't get get to the money. But now apparently all of them have all their shit offshore, so they're not worried about it. Well, the American economy can take. I got my money in the Caymans, I guess. I don't know where these people are, but it's it's this is fuckery. This is I mean, like I there's no bottom to me as yeah i think it's because like the more you know about black history in this country you're like no there's literally no bottom these people will do anything anything they firebomb tulsa they like use regular commercial airplanes to drop bombs on black people uh, and there's no bottom there's never going to be a bottom when that's the energy yeah, they're they're a fascist semi anarchist state as long as like the anarchy kind of works for that. Mm-hmm. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying. He loves airplanes. He loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. So in terms of the, the debt ceiling conversation, what is at stake here economically and political, politically for, for both sides? I mean, the whole economy is at stake for everybody. But for the Democrats, it's like they will get blamed if there is, you know, a re- another recession. So that's what's at stake for the Republicans. Like, as always, nothing's really at stake for them because they have Fox News and they have their own media where there's not really any sort of room for dissension within the party. And they're going to just all continue in lockstep. And they also don't need a majority because they're able to rule under this system. Right. It it works in their favor and it's continuing to work in their favor because they're passing all these voter suppression laws, uh, continuing to try to gerrymander all these districts. So like, and they have the control of legislatures in really key States in some cases. So yeah, they, they don't really have much at stake. It's very heads I win, tails you lose, because, you know, the the Republican ethos at this point is that government is bad. 
government is inherently bad. And so you elect people to shrink and destroy it and undermine its ability to infringe on your liberty to do whatever you want, whatever you want. You want to murder people with a pandemic coming out your mouth? You freedom, freedoms, you know, like it's it's constantly about undermining that. And as Sammy said, they have a propaganda network, so there's no way totally. for them to lose fundamentally. For Democrats, I mean, there's a lot of political missteps here, I will say, um, because, you know, first of all, they, they're taking They said, you know, we have a united government instead of saying, you know, we are expecting our our purpose as a party and our purpose as legislature as a legislative body is to do the work of the nation and we expect our colleagues from who might have different political opinions to at least make sure the lights stay on like that's absurd we should not be this is not an argument we've had posturing about this before but I think after all that we've lived through together, this is very serious and this is not a time for us to be playing with it. Anyone who does so does not believe in the country. You know, they should start saying that Republicans are terrible humans who want to destroy everything that you hold dear. And that way maybe Republicans could pay some kind of political price for the people who are like, hey, actually I do care about things and maybe I don't want it destroyed. But uh, since they refuse to do that- what voting block is available if Democrats were suddenly just to speak the way we are like Republicans are terrible. They don't care about you. apathetic like, people, apathetic people who have things to lose and they don't want to lose them or maybe they have nothing to lose. So they're like motivated for a better future, like just get, it like, makes sense why we have a hard time winning when it's the apathetic people that are the <laughs> the margin. Yeah. For some, for something like to some degree, yeah. where Democrats have been like, we're not going to let Republicans kill you, and then it's like you, and then they're like, oh, they do, they don't actually. The Republicans continue killing people, and we're like, I guess that was. It was like, well, it's fewer people than could have been, and we're like, that's that's not what we hired you for. You ostensibly said you were going to keep them from doing the thing, and they they right. did it anyway. And it's like, well, what's the point of voting if that's the case? And it's like, you guys need to be affirmative and that will help rally the people who are like, I vote every election. I will vote like it, it doesn't matter. Broken glass, whatever. You know, I'm I'm a voter through and through. But that's not how most people think of voting. So you need to right. engage people who who don't have that kind of sense that the government is even a real function in their lives and doesn't want to connect to it it's not just apathy it's people who are like oh i vote occasionally when it strikes me and it's like Mm -hmm. okay you should always strike you you should always you should always you should always be doing this right like Like it's we're not like a we're not like a civically engaged country, which is what allows the Democrats to be such a weak opposition party and they're able to get away with like not really doing much and not taking strong actions partially because we're so we're on this you could argue is a strength a big tent so there's a lot of disagreement about what should be done but like in reality it's not so much disagreement as is as it is like the effects of lobbying and the effects of like yeah. the democratic like the democratic party voters not really holding their own officials to account and 
finding people to replace those who are like not going to take real action as an opposition party. So it's just not the structure. There's like a lot of structural asymmetry. Yeah, definitely. Economically, it is going to be very, very bad, though. They would downgrade our credit. We would have no ability to borrow. Things would get very bad very quickly. State governments would basically, I don't know, the bankruptcies would probably follow pretty quickly because state debt is basically backed by federal debt, which is the assumption that at some point you'll be able to get bailed out. It, It would be a catastrophe. Let's not do it. Yeah. Well, it's also reminding me of like, yeah, what what you said before, it's like with Republicans, people did say, oh, nobody would ever vote against certifying an election. This is just a ceremonial thing. Like nobody would ever do that. Nobody would ever do that. It's like, that's all the proof to me. That's all the proof you need. And the filibuster tomorrow. Like, what are you doing? Let's do it. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will talk about Republicans, other propaganda machine, Facebook. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. So yesterday, a former Facebook employee, Frances Haugen, testified before the Senate's Commerce Subcommittee yesterday. So she repeated what a lot of experts have said about Facebook, but really like with her own exposure on the inside. Like, Sammy, what would you say is like new about these revelations that they're coming from an inside whistleblower? Well, it's like a the definitive proof that they knew and that the documents, like, yeah, the doc- yeah, the documents like there's um there's a preponderance of evidence, one might say, suggesting <laughs> that they were like malevolent in how they were hiding like a what they were doing and b how their algorithm is working like they um and they they their actions belie their knowledge of what they were doing because of how they were able to like quote unquote turn it off for the 2020 election and then they turned (laughs) it back on like right after so like if you're able to do that then you know exactly what you're doing and which levers to pull to increase ad revenue versus like increase uh, like increase engagement like and that's also scary is that they can they know how to like systematically manipulate the emotions of the user and because they weren't able to make as much money based on just like more content, positive 
things, they like were like, fuck Remember it. Remember when like, they we're said gonna they were going to do have that? an insurrection and like genocide. Was that, was that and, like after yeah. 2016 when they were like, we're going to make it nice. No more news. We're just going to make it nice. Like what happened to that? It just, they, they went back. They're like, this they, isn't it working. It didn't make enough money. I made it nice. No, yeah. it didn't make Mark enough Zuckerberg money. had dinner with Ben Shapiro and a bunch of other yeah. conservative <laughs> ideologues. And Peter Thiel is a monster who's like very close. Like all of the, you can yeah. see the, the signs everywhere of like, this is about protecting the money and protecting their personal interests and being able to foist their ideology on people without consequences. There's no accountability. Nothing's ever going to come for them. They, they know that their people, they've made it possible for their people to run government regardless of how many actual votes are involved because they can always just pour more misinformation into people's feeds and shift the the perspectives of people who would otherwise say, hey, this is a terrible thing. Let me vote against it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, like they the even the fact of Facebook purchasing Instagram and WhatsApp yeah. shows that well, if you think about just think about Facebook, the the platform, not a cool platform. If it went out <laughs> for a day, everyone would be like, whatever, like probably they would care less than if TikTok or Twitter went out for a day. And right, for sure, it's like way less, but if I never go to Facebook.com, but, <laughs> but it's because they own Instagram, which is like the social media platform. Let's admit it that everyone cares about, like for their personal lives, TikTok is for entertainment, Twitter is for news and Instagram is for like your life. Facebook yeah. is for your parents. And, <laughs> and then WhatsApp, which is how so much of the world communicates outside of America and also even in America, but like more, even more so outside or how people communicate with their relatives in between countries. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that is a massive disruption and they knew that. And like, who the fuck is using Facebook messenger? Like, you know, no one. So, um, (laughs) yeah. So they know that they, they bought those companies so that they could be more monopolistic and you saw the disruption level that happened. And that shows that they have achieved it which is why they should be broken up. But um, and like AOC said, and then um, I feel like there was so much more, more to say here, but we can, you can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll go through more. I think that's that, that gets at it, that they knew. And as we, as we, I was listening to the whistleblower testify. I mean, we have, we have pharmaceutical opiate companies in, in litigation over doing exactly this, over knowing that their product was dangerous and deadly and concealing that and manipulating their consumers. We know, we all know that that's criminal. Like we all have a sense that that is bad, but with Facebook, because they seem, they, they try to like parallel it to, no, it's just like the polarization in, in society. But this whistleblower says like, no, they are exactly like the tobacco companies that know their product is deadly, but they're she said, not only do they know this information, but they're hiding some of it. Like, we don't know what their internal research says. We only know what they're willing to share with us. To address this, she said, Congress, speaking of regulation, should amend Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which largely lets platforms off the hook for hate speech shared on their platform. Another really uh, scary stat she mentioned was that was the ways that the platform is used to incite violence and spread misinformation abroad. She said right now, 87% of misinformation spending at Facebook is focused on English language content, 
which should make us be like, cool, we're safe. They're looking after us. But only 9% of the users are English speakers. So they're not catching. This matches some of the stats we went up yesterday over yesterday. They claim to be trying their hardest, but they are not. Their net is so broken. This this points at, I think, like a bigger problem with capitalism and like, okay, I don't want to sound like so annoying when I say that, but like, because <laughs> no. I'm not anti-capitalist. Like, I do think that like exchanging goods uh, We and were watching Squid Game last night and I was like, this is about capitalism, I right? I need to watch that, <laughs> but like, I, I need to watch that. But like, here's the thing, Sorry, like, capitalism ahead. does not have to be bad. When you exchange goods and services on the market for their like a legitimate value and then you're providing a service and then you make money for that, like at a fair rate, that is good. That's productive. That's how people are able to specialize and make money. But this, the fact that Facebook needed to go into all these countries so that they could get to the extreme level of growth that like brute capitalism demands, like you don't need to grow that big. You do not need to be that big. You could have just been your own platform. You do not need to subsume all these other platforms. You do not need to go into all these other countries where you don't have expertise about the culture and the right people employed. And you're then causing a fucking genocide because Mm -hmm. you don't have any handle on it. And all you cared about was growth of the users so that you could serve those people more ads, but you don't really care about what happens to them. And therefore you destroy society. So it's like, if they could have just been like, let's just do what, where let's just build at a normal pace that is not causing outsized harm to our users. And that's yeah. yeah, like the craziest thing she said yesterday, she was like, and Facebook is too understaffed to catch all of the offending content. I was like, Facebook has no business being understaffed. Exactly. Plenty of, what the fuck are you talking about? Facebook is understaffed. That's insane but, to me. Exactly. That, that's, that's what I mean. The problem is that it was built as a rate hot chicks tool and the, its ethical <laughs> underpinnings were never about, hey, yeah. let's, let's make sure that when we share information, we are actually providing positive growth and necessary understanding and context. That was never, that was never the purpose of the platform. And that's, it's so clear. Like one of the things that was so striking about that, like 87% of misinformation abroad is that so many people outside of the United States rely on like so many governments have been basically invaded by Facebook, petitioned by Facebook to be the main for- force of like communication in these countries. So when that, you know, that outage earlier this week, like that was a huge, huge thing outside of the United States, not merely because the platform, you know, is a big communication space for so many people, but because literally it was the only way they were getting service. It was the only way they could communicate. It was their option instead of data charges, which were super expensive because basically Facebook has co-opted the natural growth of industries that would provide telecom support in these countries. So that is, I mean, like they're not just actively like growing because, hey, we need growth and it's capitalism and we got to get the shareholders happy. It's also we are actively undermining domestic industries outside of the United States so we can be in control of those. I mean, the nature of this monopoly is so dangerous. And because 
it was data. And so many of us, I mean, Facebook for us started when we were like seniors in high school, I was waiting for that college email. So I could, yeah. I could finally get on. That was, that was, I was old school, old. Yeah. School. Don't tell me how old I am. I don't need to know. Thank you. Um, but, but we, it was just like a fun thing to do initially. And then it's grown and it's like at no point were people thinking of the ethical considerations of what this was going to do to people and how it was going to manipulate their understanding of their own reality. People live in giant data bubbles now. And even when they go to search or go to understand things, they're trapped in the same algorithm, bringing them back to the same conclusions that they already have. I'm like more scared for our future because of how messed up our brains are than I am about like climate change. And I know that's going to happen too, but it's like, (laughs) what are we all going to be like these kids who are on these screens all the time? I feel like my brain is caught, like has holes in it from these apps. I know like, what you mean. The person I could be. <laughs> I, I mean, my job is Instagram, so I guess that doesn't really count. <laughs> but like, oh, God, I just will catch myself like, you know, going just like, oh, I like watch four TikToks and that'll improve my mood for like 70 minutes and then go back again and watch some Instagram stories. It's not normal. I'm so oh, grateful yeah. I grew up without smartphones. I'm so grateful. I'm very, very grateful. Adulthood, and there was no smartphone. There was no like, I didn't have a device. I didn't need that. I had a cell phone where you had to click through the letters to type people. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And we wonder why there have been so many coups lately. Totally. Like the roots of Facebook were cruel. And so therefore they could never really get past that. Cause it's not like Mark Zuckerberg was ever like, I'm going to be a different guy. (laughs) Like I'm not going to be an asshole anymore. Like he's a cruel person whose company bad guy became cruel. He's a being an asshole has been very profitable. He's a billionaire because he's a giant steaming asshole. Let's be honest and (laughs) rewarded for it. And he's going to continue getting rewarded for it unless we impose some consequences that show like, actually, if you are this giant of an asshole uh, with the the hemorrhoids and everything, it turns out we're going to actually stop you. We're going to stop you from being this giant hemorrhoidal steaming asshole. Oh, what a visual. Well, okay. So he responded last night (laughs) to what's been going down. He wanted to address the outage um, and the uh, the whistleblower. So I wrote in a blog post because I refuse to say Facebook post since he's the only one who, who uses them. But he <laughs> basically said she's all wrong. She's nothing she said oh, yeah. is correct. He was extremely defensive. I would encourage you to go read this this whole thing because he's just so defensive and juvenile. He like poses he all of these. <laughs> he hasn't yeah, right. He poses these questions as as if there are not very good answers to them. For instance, he says why would we put together a world-class research division to figure out how Facebook impacts people if we were going to ignore their findings? Because you figured because out yeah. because you figured out that their findings were at odds with how you could make the most money. That's why. It's really That's not like that going to a cigarette company and being like, why would we hot like yeah. you can ignore them? It's because toxic waste in the river. Why would we have children go into coal mines? Why would we like? Dude, we literally have a record of human history. Like, stop acting like 
people would never do terrible things in their own self and then hide them. Mark Zuckerberg has no emotional intelligence, which is why he thinks that this is like a good way to defend himself. (laughs) Your research division is a PR division. It is, it exists to exist. You ignore, like same with tobacco, same with like like a notes app apology. Like, you guys, <laughs> I didn't realize what this was going to mean. <laughs> Just excuse my multi-billion dollar company, like possibly that's killed your child because of anti-vax shit. Um, thanks. I mean, Mark. their research, their <laughs> research was right. They just purposely didn't disclose it to investors or the public, even though they're a publicly right. owned company, which yeah. I believe is illegal. <laughs> He just keeps saying, why would we want to hurt people? Why would we participate in hurting people and hurting kids? It's like, for all the reasons we just the explained. Humans humans. Because Catholic, they do you that. don't care. You don't care at all. And you see, yeah, he's posing all these questions, but there are very good answers too. One more quote he says is that, um, this is a direct quote, we make money from ads and advertisers consistently tell us they don't want their ads next to harmful or angry content. And I don't know any tech company that sets out to build products that make people angry or depressed. It's like that. Sets out too is doing a lot of There's work. A there, parlor <laughs> exists, so let's move on there. That literally does exist to make people angry and depressed. Second of all, that's not how that works. You once you have someone's attention, you we live in an attention economy. You know that what you're trying to do is get people addicted to the dopamine hits, and a lot of times the easiest way to get people attached to a platform is to give them something to be upset about. And once they're there, they're going to stay there until they can find some way of soothing themselves. And sometimes the anger is what soothes them. They want to be angry and they're going to continue perpetuating it until they can get relief. And that's the whole point. And there's a lot of apparently people who want to be angry. And Facebook is like, hey, I'll slip you some like extra rage, like Mickey's or something like they're just they're just feeding people's anger and allowing this algorithm instead of saying get the fuck off i remember i used to play a game an mmorpg online and i was addicted it was too much but it would stop every now and then it would put a say a tracer along the bottom and be like you have been playing for x hours do you want to stop like it would just be like yeah go maybe <laughs> even though it was making money for, from me like being invested in the game it was like i think you might need a break Think, think you might need to go like, you know, that's a, it, that's a product that has confidence. You'll come back. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, like, I think it's interesting that like people don't want to admit that people like, like being angry, that it does something for a lot of people psychologically. Like I would argue probably like half the world gets something out of being angry, if not more. I love being angry. I mean, in the, in the sense of like, it's cathartic. When you have a a target who really deserves it, but then the problem is, is like anger is a lot like fire. It's very easy for it to get out of control. And then you start throwing shit in there and you're like, that's the family photo album. You're like, I don't care. (laughs) Right. It's interrupting. (laughs) Facebook is interrupting. Like a normal amount of anger is fine and normal and healthy and you can process it. But Facebook is providing, giving us access to fury all of the time. And so finally, Mark Zuckerberg invited Congress to make regulations for Facebook to abide. But like every excuse he has, he's acting like no human being or business owner is required to have any sense of ethics or morals at all. It's like, 
it's like he th- it's like as if like that's how all laws get made it was like oh well I'll, i'm not gonna stop killing people until you make a law against killing people otherwise until then i'm just gonna kill people because that's just how society is it's like if this is this is not the world anybody wants to live in, Mark. Chaotic evil. He's OK. Here's the <laughs> thing. He's inviting Congress to make regulations out of one side of his mouth. And then he's sliding the money to not make regulations not out of the other side of his mouth. So, yeah. yeah. I just don't trust anybody who's dinner with Ben Shapiro and likes it. Yeah, totally. No. Yeah, it's. He's not hanging out with Greta Thunberg. There's a reason you don't hear about him meeting with Oprah. You don't hear about him meeting with like any of those types of people. It's always like evil tech bros who are trying to colonize the moon tomorrow. Yeah, that's so interesting to think about because a lot of big celebrities like that wouldn't say no to meeting with Mark Zuckerberg or to helping Facebook in some visible way. They don't care. So you're right. The fact that he... The fact that that we're that we're not seeing it doesn't mean celebrities are saying no to him. Like, I bet if they went to Priyanka Chopra tomorrow, she would do whatever they wanted. Neil like, DiCaprio, just, I'm sure, would meet with him about climate change. Like, it just means he's not. You're right. He's just not seeking that company because he's not a good dude. No, who cares about? He's a cruel asshole who wanted to rape women on hotness, and he never grew out of that mindset because all that has happened to him since then was that he's had money thrown at him and zero consequences. So why would he change? Why would he mature? Why would he re? Why would he question? Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right? Like no, because he can. You just- would think that he had babies, but and he cites that in his post. But Not again, the parents just really have babies, and true. they don't have them for the right reasons that's like asking queen victoria if we should continue like the the russian surf system or something like that like oh yeah like i have children like what yeah that's not that's not an answer he thinks his kids are gonna be fine they're gonna be rulers of the universe and be insulated by all the money and cash and whatever and they'll live on peter thiel's like magical gulch or whatever they're gonna build out in the ocean I invite the nobility totally. to get rid of the feudal system at their leisure. <laughs> That's perfect. All right. Well, we will await that. We will look forward to regulations on Facebook. Hopefully Instagram doesn't crash today. It was a little wonky this morning, but actually I don't really care if it is. I'll get some fresh air until the end of democracy. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. 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 The Betches Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.